When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's news in the NFL today, and it's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rock Style. Earl! Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold-weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar along with Jonathan Harrison here and we have a lot to talk about from the last week. And I have to say, Jonathan, I think that I made a mistake on last week's show. Actually, a couple. Maybe we should start every week with talking about the uh, things that already we got old takes exposed (laughs) for. Um, Number one is... We were talking about Trevor Lawrence in the future, not the future as in the next week where the Jags would score six points and he would get hurt. So uh, we still we still think his future should be bright, but his very immediate future was not so much. That was just like, come on, Trevor, we set you up to play the Lions. Uh, yeah, so they that, just got to run out the building. That was tough. Yeah, that was, uh, that was not a take that held up very well. But uh, – the other thing is too, that I think we looked at the schedule and you're like, I don't know, man, like maybe there's not that many good games this week and so forth. And yet the NFL delivered even, and I was factoring in that Indianapolis and Dallas were playing on Sunday night football. And that was weird because it was like 21 to 19 in the fourth quarter and ended up 54 to 19 that escalated quickly. And uh, then, you know, it was 16 to three. And one of the most miserable football games I think I've ever seen in my life uh, between the Bucks and the Saints. And I joked late in the fourth quarter, put in Luke McCown, like just <laughs> anyone, but Brady almost threw an interception that just, he, he threw it straight down and it just barely bounced off the turf and was not intercepted by the Saints defender. And then after that, he went full like 2007 Brady and started, you know, doing incredible things to the Saints and they win the game. So it turned into an amazing ending after being a miserable game for the entire time, but still like more a more compelling week in the NFL than I expected it to be with lots of really good games. But maybe no more compelling storyline in the NFL than what happened with San Francisco in their quarterback situation, Jonathan. Brock Purdy, everyone. Mr. Oh. Relevant, they are now calling him. And I'm going to throw this out there. I thought Brock Purdy in the preseason game that he played against the Vikings looked pretty good. Uh, I mean, like he looked like he was doing a lot of the same stuff as Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm just saying like, I wasn't totally shocked to see him come off the bench and operate some of that offense. If he's been around the team the whole year, Uh, Mm -hmm. but it appears that Jimmy Garoppolo as per reporting today by ESPN could return in the middle of the playoffs. It's possible that he could heal by then. So let's say that Brock Purdy, who just beat the Miami Dolphins with lots of help from his defense, (laughs) let's say he plays well and he wins a game for the 49ers the first round. 
would you, in that case, which seems very realistic considering the defense that they have, the coaching they have, would you bench Purdy and bring back Jimmy Garoppolo? Would you just ride Brock Purdy if he's gotten you there the whole way? Uh, could we have another Nick Foles type of situation where the backup quarterback, even though this is a third stringer, ends up taking a team deep into the playoffs because it's a weird year this year? Uh, what do you make of this San Francisco 49ers quarterback situation? First of all, Jimmy G apparently is the latest quarterback to have Wolverine blood. Thank you, Russell Wilson. So uh, I guess these quarterbacks are just healing faster and faster. And the, the storyline with that injury and the reporting with it has been very, very weird since it all happened. And it's very it feels like it changes by the minute. So I expect Jimmy G to come back. And absolutely, I think they should they would bench Brock Purdy and they probably should because you go with the guy in those situations that has been there before. And Jimmy G has been there in the past. I think he's got a five and two record in the playoffs. Yes. He's thrown more touch or more interceptions than touchdowns in the playoffs, but I would rather go with the guy who has led my team, this very team to the super bowl than uh, a seventh round guy who was drafted at the last pick in the draft. And uh, who knows what he can actually do. And unless he's going on an absolute heater and he's having the greatest half or six games of a quarterback's career in, in the history of the NFL, then you don't change him, but that's highly unlikely to happen. He's got a long runway to go. So he's got plenty of time to build himself some confidence going into the playoffs and he should be pretty confident. I and mean, he's got one of the best defenses in the league to help him out, to keep games close for him. So I don't know. I think, I think Jimmy G should be put back in. I think, the 49ers should absolutely go back to Jimmy G if he is healthy enough to lead them in the playoffs. Cause he's been there before. And I wouldn't trust a Brock Purdy, a seventh round pick in the playoffs when you, you don't know what you're going to do with the quarterback situation next year with how Jimmy G has played this year uh, with the injury to the, the quarterback they drafted. I just don't know that you want to go with a third guy and say, well, we don't know what we're going to do in the, in the off season because we got these three guys who might work out, but none of them we're quite sure on. I go with Jimmy G and stick with that one. Yeah, I think that that's fair, considering the playoff experience for Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that he has gotten his team to the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship before and was really playing at a very high level for San Francisco going into that game. And that's why it's unfortunate, because it was one of the cooler stories in the NFL this year. Like, team does not believe in him. They draft Trey Lance. They give up all the draft picks, basically saying, bye, Jimmy. Jimmy was not even practicing with the 49ers he was practicing on a side field during training camp. He did not even make the trip to Minnesota when they had their joint practices. That's how out Jimmy Garoppolo was, but they couldn't get the right offer. He had the shoulder injury, and that's actually one of the reasons they had to draft um, Trey Lance to begin with is because Jimmy Garoppolo was constantly injured, and this is a bad break for him, but again, like injured at a moment where they need him. I think it really depends on how it looks. I yeah. mean, if he's playing like Zach Wilson and they're getting away with some wins, which the Jets did with mm -hmm. Zach Wilson, where he threw for 70 yards and they won or something. If that's the case, then I do think they would go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. But if he's even playing at a Garoppolo-esque level, I think that Kyle Shanahan has always sort of believed, and I don't know how true it is, but he's always sort of believed that he could put anybody in there at quarterback and that they would put up some numbers. Uh, I think that Nick Mullins and uh, some other quarterbacks, CJ Beathard, maybe didn't have quite as much success as Jimmy Garoppolo. But one thing about Brock Purdy is how comfortable he looked coming off the bench. I mean, can you imagine that guy standing on the sideline, seventh round draft pick backup, and they walk over and they say, 
uh, Brock, head on in. It's your, <laughs> and then you put up 33 points against a defense that has some talent. Mm-hmm. Can they play that way every single week, the way that they did? Maybe. I mean, the whole thing is get the ball into the hands of playmakers as fast as you can. And I was watching JT O'Sullivan's QB school, which if you haven't watched it, go check it out. I mean, it's an incredible channel from JT O'Sullivan, former NFL quarterback, former NFL Europe quarterback also. Uh, He does amazing breakdowns watching the film. It's basically like you're watching it in the quarterback room. And one of the things that was impressive is how Brock Purdy got through his reads how he handled the line of scrimmage. I mean, this guy looked like a veteran quarterback up there and that's like your dream scenario for a backup. And by this point in the season, a rookie is no longer a rookie anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a guy who's been practicing with them. They traded, I believe their backup quarterback, wasn't a CJ Beathard and they traded him away or somebody and they traded him away because they were confident to have him as their third quarterback. Um, So they didn't go out and get another backup. They didn't claim Baker Mayfield. I think that there's maybe some belief based on how he's practiced this year and how he played that this guy could take them into the playoffs and they could be a dangerous team. And looking at the way they play defense, my gosh, that is a violent and dangerous team. And the playmakers, if you get Brandon Ayuk, if you get Debo Samuel, the football, George Kittle, like those guys can make plays. So I, I think it would be a really tough choice if you got into the first round and let's say you do really well. I mean, let's say let's say you win 24 to 10 in the first round. How mm-hmm. can you say, hey, Jimmy, I know you haven't played in weeks. Come back in. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think that would be a very difficult situation. The other thing that it changes is potential matchups here, which is really fascinating, too, because if Purdy is just OK and they lose some games and Seattle wins some games, I mean, you could end up having Seattle winning that division and a San Francisco team that is a behemoth like coming in at the seven or the six seed instead of where they would have been. And then say Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, all of a sudden you're talking about a Super Bowl caliber team that starts from the back because they had this quarterback injury, but could be dangerous to any of these teams that are going to have the top couple of seeds. So this is one of those things where it's just like every time we think we understand the landscape of the NFL, somebody just pulls a grenade and throws it onto it and it blows it all up because that's, that's exactly what happened with this injury. Yeah. And, and thinking more about it, like I, I, I'm starting to agree with you that this should be a move that it's based solely off of how this looks because we've seen it in the past where if something's going right, you don't change it. And I think the 49ers, considering how they've always, it seemed like how they've always felt about Jimmy Garoppolo, hence why they drafted Trey Lance and they tried to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo this last off season. And as you mentioned, they didn't even have him practicing with the team in preseason that this seems like a move that Kyle Shannon would be like, all right, this guy's playing well. I'm not going to go back. If we're, if we're talking about what they will do, I'd imagine that that they would probably stick with Brock Purdy. If, if I was the coach, I'd probably just go back to Jimmy G because that's who I'd be most comfortable with. But, but going off of what Kyle Shannon's done in the past, this would probably be a move where he's like, I'm not, touching Jimmy G because this guy's playing well. And that seems like a move where Jimmy G's only going to get in the game if they are down at halftime and things aren't looking well. And they just turn to Jimmy G like, all right, you've been here before. 
help us come back. And then you're a quarterback the rest of the way. So it, it helps that Brock Purdy is probably, it probably helps that he's a seventh rounder and went into the season expecting to be the third string quarterback. And he's like, I've got nothing to lose. I'm just, I was the last pick in the draft. I ain't, I, there's no expectations on me to do well. And he's got the defense to help him out to keep games close. And all he has to do is just go out there and not screw up too much. So yeah, this probably will end up just being the Brock Purdy show until he screws up enough for Jimmy G to come back in. Yeah, and a lot of times, and and I don't know, like Purdy could end up being really good. At one time, he was a much higher considered prospect, but then just kind of petered out toward the end of his college career and and didn't get a lot of attention in the draft. Um, But I remember at one point he was talked about as being potentially a fairly high draft pick. So maybe the talent is there, but he just had a, you know, a bad situation or whatever it might have been. Uh, a tough end to his college career, but he actually did have the talent to be a starter and it, or it could be a Nick Foles situation where the team is just so good that you could throw a guy in there. And as long as they play for him, and as long as he operates the offense, you've got a chance to go deep in the playoffs. But that, that is, I would, I think, and, and I don't even know, because so much depends on what the coaches think of how well it's being operated. If they were winning and then, like you said, they got into a difficult situation, then they might say, all right, well, the wheels have come off. The magic carpet ride is over. uh, And now all of a sudden we're going to go to Jimmy Garoppolo. But that is uh, a very, very interesting situation to watch. And how quickly Jimmy Garoppolo heals, because sometimes they'll say six, seven weeks. Maybe it might be a little earlier, or maybe he's just going to try to tough it out to get back on the field. So if they sputter but barely get in, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo gets in early in the playoffs. Um, But for a team that made a big trade to get Christian McCaffrey, what a hit this could potentially be, or what an insane story it could be for the third quarterback. If there's any season I've ever watched where a QB3 should come up and take his team to the Super Bowl, it would be this one, as as weird as it has been. Uh, Next hot route question here for you, Jonathan. Tom Brady, we alluded to the insane insane comeback that he had uh they had a 0.7 percent chance to win that game according to espn probability and they ended up winning it uh so that was crazy for tom brady after looking bad the entire game i i want to know what the coolest moment of an old player in the nfl is pulling out some greatness out of nowhere even though tom brady has been very washed looking so far this year and conversely what is the saddest you've been about an old player? Because Matt Ryan, you know, Matt Ryan was given it 110 through three quarters of that game. I was like, this guy looks terrible, but you have to give him credit. Like he's trying so hard mm-hmm. out there. And then 54 points happen. It's just like, what? Out of nowhere um, too. I felt very sad. Like looking at him on the sidelines, just like, man, this guy was one of the best quarterbacks of the mid 2000s and, and 2010s and now just a complete shell of himself. So your favorite old man moments and your least favorite. If he hadn't already decided to retire after this season, that six-minute stretch where the Cowboys ran it up from a two-point uh, spread between those teams to, what, a 30-point spread between those teams, I think that's the moment where he decided, all right, this is there's no more here. I'm retiring at the end of the season. Uh, the, hap- the coolest moment – I don't know if you consider 33 old. It might be for a safety, but Harrison Smith this season being second in the league in interceptions when he hasn't had this many interceptions in a couple of years at this point. And one of the more kind of, I don't want to say underrated because he's very much appreciated, but just doesn't get enough love for being as good of a safety as he has been for the past 10 years. I think Harrison Smith deserves the the credit that he, he should get. And seeing him 
get as many interceptions as he had in as many big situations as he has had this season. I think that's cool. But outside of the Vikings, Jerry Rice busting out two back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons at age 39 and 40 in 2001 and 2002 is incredible. Everybody already considers him the GOAT. And, I mean, that that is probably why, because even at that age for that position, and, yes, the game was played very much differently back then, but still busting out thousand yard back or back-to-back thousand-yard seasons at age 39 and 40 is pretty incredible. The saddest I've felt for a player, other than Matt Ryan, because I've always liked Matt Ryan as a quarterback, uh, personally, and I know these feelings are much different now after news, uh, I went to the game at TCF Bank Stadium when the Metrodome roof collapsed, and Brett Favre was supposed to start for the Vikings, and he did, and I was excited to finally see Brett Favre in person in a Vikings jersey, and then he just gets smacked, I think, the first or second play of the game. His head bounces off the rock-hard turf of the TCF Bank Stadium uh, field, and he is knocked out for the game, and that's when his streak ended. Personally, that's when I was the saddest. Now those feelings are very much different because of the news recently of him, but that's personally when I felt the saddest because you see, you saw the career just kind of end at that point, the streak end at that point. It all just kind of, it was already going downhill with that, with the way that season was playing out. Second season went on too long. Shouldn't have come back for the second season. Uh, Brett Favre shouldn't have, but I think that was that, that and what Matt Ryan's been going through this season are my saddest moments. Yeah, I agree. As far as uh, the, the good ones for, you know, quarterback, uh, John Elway is the ultimate, you know, yeah. right? a guy that had been to the Super Bowl a number of times and had had such an unbelievable career and was a great winner and finally kind of has it all come together with that team. I mean, two two of the greatest teams probably in NFL history and played extremely well at an old age. And he was out there like, you know, just, you know, the knees don't work anymore, yeah. but he's diving to the end zone and everything else. The helicopter, John Elway, giving it everything that he had. You know, that that was very cool. And then the way that he rode off into the sunset after that, there was no version of John Elway that was washed or that was bad. It was only, you know, a guy who was aging and didn't have quite the same mobility or same speed anymore. But the arm was still there. The gutsiness was still there. And it all just came together with that unbelievable team. And I mean, just sort of so deserving, right? Like to have a career like that and come close so many times. And that was really his identity as a quarterback. Because he was like the, one of the greatest quarterbacks without a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then that finally happens where on both sides of the ball, the coaching, the offensive system, Shannon Sharp, Terrell Davis, Ed McCaffrey, Rod Smith, all these great weapons around him. And uh, and they find a way to kind of become a juggernaut at the end of his career. So you can't end it much better than that. On the downside, there are many. There are many. I would just shout out the Washington football team for all of them. <laughs> I mean, now Bruce Smith actually was decent there. Uh, Deion Sanders, who is in the news as well recently. Um, it's not that they had these horrendous years. It was that those teams, they tried to put together this like, Pro Bowl team of old guys. Uh, Daryl Green was still there. And it was just like all washed players who couldn't really carry a team anymore. And they were irrelevant. It was just not fun to watch. Um, ben Roethlisberger in the last Oof. few years yeah. has been uh, or was a miserable situation to watch, did not enjoy. And maybe one for me was uh, Eli Manning at the end of his career. That Peyton Manning, you can't really say him because he was both horrendous and won the Super Bowl. So that's like, (laughs) I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm very conflicted by this, uh, by Peyton Manning's end of his career. 
But his, but Eli, the end of his career was just gross for the most part. I mean, if you look at the eight or nine years of that guy's prime, he was an elite quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. year after year after year, he's in the top of a lot of statistical categories. And even when you look at some of the more detailed stats, you saw how aggressive he was throwing down the field, how he had tons of big time throws. And, and, and then you saw those show up in the Super Bowl and he deserves all the credit that he gets for two Super Bowls that are, you know, very improbable and one of the most improbable wins ever had a great career. If that man hung it up earlier, then that Hall of Fame discussion probably doesn't even happen. I that that there's some debate over whether he goes into the Hall or not. The debate is pretty much because the last 5 6 years of his career are just bad and he kept running out there. At one point he gets benched by Ben McAdoo, I believe, for Geno Smith, which you know, Geno's turned out to be good, but like what? Uh, some some kind Daniel of sad Jones. moments of uh, Eli Manning. Was it McAdoo? Uh, no, he got benched for Daniel Jones. Oh, he got benched. Well, no, he got benched one time for one game, and I believe oh, yeah, yeah. Geno Smith has started, and then uh, and then you're right, got benched again for uh, for Daniel Jones. So like, not a good situation for Eli Manning at the end of his career. And uh, I enjoyed watching him play because he was so, so gutsy, you know, just like push the ball down the field, did not care. I would also throw out Randy Moss to this. No one ever is going to talk about Randy Moss at the end of his career. The man played for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Just like San Francisco where was he like, did he have like one catch in the Super Bowl where he's playing for San Francisco, I think, or, well, you know, didn't even wasn't even seeing the field. Like the end of Randy yeah. Moss was kind of weird and a little sad um, because he had done the thing in 2010 with the Vikings, and at that point he was basically washed after having the incredible season with Brady, and it just you know just kind of went downhill from there where people yeah. kept signing him and you know whatever else. So there, uh, you never know how somebody's career is going to come to an end, and wouldn't it be hilarious if Tom Brady somehow still ended up in the NFC championship game or the Super Bowl. Just like every game is exactly like this, where they have 0.3% chance to win. And then somehow Brady brings them back. I don't know, but uh, is Brady going to be the guy who the first quarterback to lead a losing team to the playoffs and win the Super Bowl as a losing record team. And that's how he's just going to end his career saying, yeah, I am legitimately the goat because I just won a Super Bowl with a losing record team. Yeah. The one thing about Tampa is that like San Francisco, they have an amazing defense and they could kind of grind you down like, you know, the Saints couldn't do a whole lot against them. Not that the Saints are great, but you just don't know. Like the, the thing about this year is that if one of two teams, Dallas and Philadelphia, does not make it, if they hit the skids mm-hmm. and they have a bad game, it's anybody's. Yeah. And there have been very few times where we've thought, oh, anybody could go to the Super Bowl. But especially since they only have the one buy now, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, any anybody could get hot for a couple games this year. Normally, I don't really believe in that line of thinking. But if you told me somehow Tampa Bay ended up in the Super Bowl against Kansas City or something, I'd be like, oh, okay. The NFC? Yeah. Sure. Why not? Anybody can do it. Uh, I mean, they'll be hosting a playoff game. So, <laughs> I mean, isn't it? Isn't that just absurd? It's ridiculous. Ban the NFC South forever. (laughs) My gosh. Yeah, for a minute there, I thought, like, is Carolina going to make it? I think we talked about that last week, but after this, probably not. Uh, Atlanta also. Come on, guys. You were this close to being competitive. (laughs) 
Um, but not really. Next question for you. Uh, the Rams picked up Baker Mayfield. I wish them the best of luck with that. Uh, I want you to give me the odds that he starts for any team after 2023. And did you ever think that Baker Mayfield was good? Like, did you ever have, did you ever hold the opinion that he was a good quarterback? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'll start with the second one first. I think there was a moment in that 2020 season with Kevin Stefanski kind of running things and running the ship there and him playing in a very specific type of offense that really did suit, it seemed like, Baker Mayfield. And I think you could have thought, yeah, if he stays in this offense for a long time, he could be he could be something. I mean, they went 11-5 and five with him as a quarterback, Kevin Stefanski running things in his first year there. There was a moment where I don't – I I think I thought – 26 intercept or 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's a pretty good season for a quarterback. And he did that in the AFC East, not an easy division to battle in or AFC North. Sorry, not an easy division to battle in and win. And I think you could have thought that he was a good quarterback and that things were going to go, go on an upward trajectory there. But then things started falling off very fast. The very next season, he started off with an injury and just never got healthy. And then all the all the bad sides of Baker Mayfield started coming out in the media and just leaking stuff and talking bad about the press and all this other stuff that clearly just didn't help him and the teammates started to go against him. So there was a moment, but it faded very quickly for him. And I think he gets another shot. I mean, we've seen how the NFL likes to hold on to these first-round guys. And, I mean, Laquan Treadwell's out there still hanging on to teams because he was a first round draft pick. There are teams, there are general managers and head coaches that still think they can get something out of a guy. And there's still plenty of teams across the league that need a quarterback. So he'll either latch onto a team that needs a quarterback Texans, maybe, I don't know if they don't draft a quarterback. I mean, they will draft a quarterback, but there's plenty of teams out there that still need a quarterback to play for them. And they'll think they can, they'll be the guy who changes Baker Mayfield around. So he'll still get a shot next year. I think that's a very, after 2023, that's a very good chance that he will get a shot. I think with Matt Stafford's health, it's yeah. very possible he could just retire. And in fact, he should. I mean, you won the Super Bowl. You've had an unbelievable career. You tried to stretch it out one season too long, got hurt. Just call it a day. Uh, and Baker Mayfield is the exact type of quarterback that Sean McVay feels like he can dial up things yeah. to help that guy be successful. I don't think he's anywhere close to as talented with his arm as Stafford or as good out of structure or anything like that of just mm-hmm. making those crazy throws. But 
For me, there was a moment. Yeah, I, I was not a Baker believer uh, until he played in the playoff game against Kansas City. And they lost because Chad Henney ran for a first down, which is so funny <laughs> always. Like they end up winning a Super Bowl because Chad Henney uh, ran for a first down and then had a pass on fourth down. Like of all, like gutsy Andy Reid calling for a, a fourth down throw from Chad Henney of all people. But um, Baker was great in that game. I mean, he was great. They had a play that was overturned, I think, or a penalty that wasn't called that cost them in that game. And he made a lot of throws. And since they were kind of having to come back in that game and the running game didn't work, they really relied on him. And I was very impressed. I thought, man, this guy, like he's coming along and he should be a good quarterback. I was putting him under the ballpark of like a Kirk Cousins or like a Jared Goff. And I still think that's right. Like, I don't know if he can be as accurate as Kirk Cousins, uh, but I do think that he can succeed with a lot of the similar circumstances. So Carolina was just a disaster. I mean, that team, they knew they were firing the coach basically from day one of the season, and they just waited for the first excuse. They trade for him at the very last minute, so he doesn't even get a training camp or whatever else. And then, yes, he is a pretty toxic human being. And that is the difference between Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield is that those guys act like professionals. Mm -hmm. When things go wrong in, in their careers or when they get criticized, everyone in the NFL gets criticized. You have to figure out how to deal with that. And I don't know Baker ever did, but if he's in the right situation, so the Rams, you know, they're going to run it back. Let's say next year he's their starting quarterback and they like what they see from this year. They run a lot of play actions. They get him Cooper cup. They bring another receiver in. they've drafted some receivers. They get that offensive line fixed back together. I mean, would you be shocked if they won 10 games with Baker Mayfield? I, I wouldn't. I, w- I wouldn't at all. I think that, you know, he is sort of in that same, and both guys were top draft picks, that same category of quarterback as Jared Goff, where you don't think that they're going to like drag you to victory, like a Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but they can operate an offense under the right circumstances. And I just kind of want to throw out the Carolina elements of this, but I do think that maybe, and I'll just say maybe, cause I'm not going to, you know, make a bet on this. If he isn't a little humbled by what's happened over the last mm-hmm. year and a half or whatever, uh, and maybe learn some lessons about how to be a better teammate and, and so forth, that um, if he doesn't, then he'll just be out of the league. It really depends yeah. on what goes on behind the scenes because the physical talent for him is there to be a decent quarterback in the NFL. But I also agree that he will get his chance. And I, I, I'm, I would say it's a coin flip to whether he actually – you know, becomes a decent quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised. Like the the landscape we've seen is there's this chunk of quarterbacks that are just elite and, and you can trade Tyreek Hill and it won't matter. Right. There's like four of those guys or five. And then the rest, everybody's pretty much playing this game where who's got the strongest roster. And uh, that, you know, that's where Baker Mayfield fits in if he lands on the right spot. Um, So that will be an interesting one to watch. I think he has to have a spot where he's not the biggest guy in that locker room. Like there has to be, and that's weird to say about a professional quarterback, because as we all know that NFL locker rooms almost revolve around the quarterback with how much they get paid, but he has to be kind of a secondary guy there. He has to have a very strong head coach and Sean McVay has definitely deserved that. So obviously take out the Carolina thing, as you said, because there was no head coach there. Matt rule is kind of a joke of an NFL head coach. And I don't know how he's going to succeed at Nebraska because I think his reputation has been destroyed by what he did in Carolina. So I think he has to have a strong head coach and he has to have a stronger locker room around him. And I think that's, 
But Los Angeles is almost a really good spot for him to land because he's got those two elements uh, around him. Yeah, I think Matt Rule's kind of a con artist, and we're going to see uh, if the con works for another college. It kind of did at Baylor, so I don't know. Maybe the college is – that is like – what you yeah. are as, as a coach, a lot of times is like, how, how good are you at conning them to give you extensions yes. and everything else? And uh, you know, it's never, that's the thing about college versus the NFL. It's not about scheme. It's not about who can draw up the X's and right. O's who can teach it better. A lot of times it's just, can you convince parents to send their kids there? And that's why I'm skeptical about Nebraska because uh, it's been quite a while since Nebraska yeah was a legitimate place that people wanted to go. And I'm not sure that he can con his way there the same way Baylor had, uh, but you know, Baylor was coming off of some controversy when he got there. So I don't know, like college coaching is just completely different. That is aside from the point with Baker Mayfield. um, Yeah. It's really up to him. I think like the talent is there and it's up to him and you're right about a stable situation where they could be winning and sort of lean into his personality a little bit. Maybe it's like a Kerry Collins type of situation where you know, Kerry Collins at the beginning of his career had a little success with Carolina, then went off the deep end with his personality, yes. comes back with the New York Giants. Like there's a lot of stories of quarterbacks kind of busting out and then finding success in a season or two later on down the line. So I think that's very possible for him. Uh, next question for you. Some crazy news in the NFL, folks. Uh, the Titans just fired their GM. Just like, huh? Middle of the season? What? They fired their general manager. That's something you don't see. And it happened right after AJ Brown went off against them. And now the way that it reads is that the, he lost the power struggle because AJ Brown went off on them, which is <laughs> so funny that if you're the owner, you're just like, all right, that's it. That's I'm t- that's, okay. You gave away that guy. And now he just smoked us. Forget you. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, but uh, so here's my, here's my question. What's a bad move from last off season that you would fire the GM right now for. And you cannot use Russell Wilson because <laughs> I'm going to add this stipulation. The stipulation is that it had to not make sense at the time. So that's the sti- it had to be a weird move at the time, or at least somewhat questionable, not just didn't work out because tell me that 99 out of a hundred people wouldn't have said trade for Russell Wilson to the Broncos where Teddy Bridgewater was 500. Yes. Like, who would have ever said no to that? So I, I I would never question George Payton's decision to trade for Russell Wilson because who wasn't making that move at that point for that franchise that had been without a quarterback since Payton? So what move would you say, look, it's gone this badly, you're just fired? I think for me, it's what the Jacksonville Jaguars did this offseason in absolutely obliterating any cap space they could have had in the third season of Trevor Lawrence because as we've talked about for the past couple of weeks, Uh, It's usually that third season where these guys take that step and they go in. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars go into the next offseason with negative cap space. And so they'll have to do some maneuvering around. And that's when that's usually when you want to start loading up your roster, not in the second season and not in the season after you had to deal with the Urban Meyer fiasco. And they just go out and shell, what, sixty seven million dollars on Christian Kirk, very overpriced contract in that one deserved a big contract, but I don't think he deserved that big of a contract and the rest of the moves that they made as well. Uh, I'm not going to list them all, but there's a lot of them and they kind of obliterated any cap space they could have had. And as we talked about that rookie quarterback contract is so valuable for a team to load up the roster around them and they loaded up a roster, but they didn't load it up with the high end talent that you normally want to do with those kind of contracts. And I think the Jaguars deserve it. I think 
maybe Brian Kudekunst deserves it for not replacing Devontae Adams right away. Yes, Christian Watson is just absolutely torching everyone right now, but their season's already done. Like, their season's over. They have a small shot to get into the playoffs. They have no chance to win the NFC North anymore. If they had a receiver that could have helped out Aaron Rodgers right away, maybe he stays a little healthier because he's able to get, get the ball out faster. Maybe they're still in contention for the NFC North, and maybe they have a better shot at one of the, those wild card spots. But because you didn't give Aaron Rodgers a, an absolute top threat at the wide receiver position and you relied on some developmental guys, they're kind of just throwing away Aaron Rodgers' final season in Green Bay, it seems like. No, I mean, I agree that their negligence about the wide receiver position, you could have seen it coming over a number of years, not just this year, but Sammy Watkins was the biggest guy that they brought in, and that was not going to solve any problem. So I agree with you there. Uh, a few other candidates for you should just be fired today because of how bad it went. Steve Kime, just like a just like a like lifetime achievement award. Yes. Like you wasted all of Kyler Murray's rookie contract. You know, one of the things is that we focus on Cliff Kingsbury a lot, and I think that's deserved. Their roster stinks man. Like yeah. Their roster is bad. They have, uh, you know, Deandre Hopkins, who's great. And what else? I mean, like Rondell Moore is kind of exciting. They make this ludicrous trade for Hollywood Brown as if that was going to change anything. Just a, just an average receiver giving away a first round draft pick for him, which was nuts. Their defense is horrendous. Um, you know, they've sort of rebuilt the offensive line a little bit, but it's not great. I mean, it's just like this roster is bad and you have a quarterback on a rookie contract who's very talented. We can't pin it all on Cliff Kingsbury. Steve Kimes made tons of mistakes and somehow has nine lives. He deserves to be fired today for that. How about the Washington commanders trading actual assets for Carson Wentz? Like <laughs> Indianapolis could not, like throw this guy out of town fast enough. Yeah. They couldn't stand him. I was there at the combine when their general manager was talking. I was waiting for Quasi Adafo Mensa to speak for the Vikings. And I was just, he was just like basically flaming Carson Wentz. I mean, it's like, yeah, this guy, this guy is a bad teammate. He's not coachable and he throws the ball to the other team constantly, takes bad sacks, gets injured. But that's the guy we're trading for. I mean, if you're Washington, and then your backup quarterback comes in and plays better and actually wins, and the team likes him. So the guy you already had on the roster, you traded assets for something decidedly worse than you already had. Why? What were you thinking with that? And, uh, you know, Indianapolis, for as bad as it's all gone for them, I mean, they could still be happy that they didn't have Carson Wentz play football for their team this year. That is definitely one that is pretty fireable. Um, you know, I, I don't know, like there are some other ones where you kind of understand, but like the New Orleans Saints is in their draft pick belong to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, that's pretty, so. that's pretty fireable. I, think I can't Jerry remember what trade that was. Do you know what trade that was for how they I ended don't. up there? I can look it up, but I think Jerry only getting a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper in the same off season where Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill both got huge hauls for their teams. Now, I don't think he's in the same category as those guys, but more than a fifth-round pick for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, if they weren't 9-3, and three, like, think about how good they would be if they still had Amari Cooper. That is, like, unimaginable. Um, I mean, do the Houston Texans just, like, deserve to be shut down as a franchise? Is this part, like, just stop playing. Just stop playing. 
Just stop. You're just forfeit the rest of the year. You, you're not allowed to play football games anymore. Um, how about Belichick hiring Matt Patricia's offensive coordinator? We've oh, brought yeah. that up numerous times, but it, it, you can't stop bringing it up. It's so absurd uh, for that team to do that. So, you know, I mean, the Chargers is a, is a little interesting here too because I actually thought that a lot of their offseason moves were pretty good um, and it just hasn't worked out. But you know, results do matter here. They've got a lot of injuries. The fact that the Chargers could spend all that money and have it not work out, I don't know. Fire somebody. We're just firing people in the middle of the season. Why not? Um, okay, well, you look that up. I'm going to ask the There's next a draft question. day trade. I think just swap picks. Oh, they swap. Okay. Oh, okay. what? So they just move. They like switched picks. For I'm the- trying to read it all, and there's just a lot of numbers, and it's confusing for a second here. But yeah, it was it was a draft day trade with the Eagles and the the Saints. Okay, all right. So the, so they basically like, oh, I know, I know. This, I remember this. The Saints were desperate to get a higher draft pick so someone could help them this year. Yeah, fireable, absolutely fireable. To think that with Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton as your quarterbacks, that you were going anywhere. To think that a rookie was going to change your fate. And didn't they draft a tackle? Like, like offensive yeah. linemen are ever good early on. That's, that is uh that is a foolhardy decision, my friends. Okay. Last question. The Heisman finalists are out and one of them's older than you. Uh, <laughs> look, there's gotta be an age limit on the Heisman, right? Like uh, if you're 35, that's yeah, sure. your Come on, man. <laughs> I saw, so I have to look this up while we're talking. Mm-hmm. He's, he wasn't really born in 96, was he? No, oh, oh, 97. Come on. <laughs> what? Come on. Come on. <laughs> 1997? And Dude's you're 25 years old. What is going on? <laughs> I get that there's been some weird things with eligibility over the last couple of years because COVID, but 25 years old and he's going to win the Heisman? That's ridiculous. That's insane. I want to tell you something. I want you to hold on to the side of your seat while I tell you this. Lamar Jackson was born in 1997. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is like uh, being a college junior and going to your high school dance or something. Like that's it. Come on, this guy doesn't Are you ready for this? to be in the Heisman. Get out of here. Are you ready for this one? Because uh, we're both from Minnesota right now. Anthony Edwards was born in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, it's in 1997. Four years old. Come on, man. He's in preschool when Anthony Edwards is born. Oh, okay. That is uh, that is really something. Although um, he won't, if he wins it, he won't be the oldest guy. He won't ever. No, I just looked so, it up. Chris Winkie at 28 years old. Oh, Chris Winkie, Minnesota Connection. That dude could have rented a car for three years and still won the Heisman. He played baseball, I think, first, right? Wasn't that what happened? But uh, Stetson Bennett is just a guy guy who, uh, you know, isn't isn't Stetson like a kind of underarm spray or something? I think it's an old man spray, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's perfect. (laughs) Anyway, so the Heisman voters are out, (laughs) or, or the finalists are out. I want you to give me a Heisman who you were all about in college. You thought this guy's going to be amazing. I love this guy. He's super fun. And then he just didn't work out in the NFL. Like who's the most disappointing for you personally? It doesn't have to be like ever. So you have to know all the Heismans, but somebody that 
that you were like, oh, this guy, he's going to be so good. And then it just kind of never happened. It's both the USC guys, Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush. I mean, they Reggie Bush had a little bit more success, but he didn't light up the NFL like he was lighting up college football. Both those guys were just torching college football at the time when I was like in high school and junior high. So I loved watching those guys on Saturday nights just completely destroy Pac-12 or Pac-10 at the time defenses. It was incredibly fun to watch those guys for a couple of years in college. And you just thought, man, how do these skills not translate to the NFL and neither of them had the success that they that they looked like they were going to have in college. So I think it's both of those guys. I mean, Matt Leinart, what, uh, 10,000 yards passing at USC was almost more famous than some NFL quarterbacks because of the market he was playing in and how much publicity he was getting as the USC quarterback. And Reggie Bush, his highlight reel from college just goes on and on and on and on and on on YouTube. It's, it's incredibly fun to watch even, what, 15, 20 years later at this point. I, you would have thought that those guys were surefire, just dominant, dominating in the NFL for a couple for for the next decade. But neither of them had the success that they should have had. Yeah, I mean those are those are great selections. I mean, there's there's never been maybe some olds would say something different. I don't think there's <laughs> ever been a more excited college football team in history than the <laughs> Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, USC teams, and I just mean for pure fun. Uh, my favorite Heisman of all time is Charlie Ward because Charlie Ward went from Florida State, who's great quarterback, and if it was today, Charlie Ward would have been an NFL quarterback, but instead he went and played in the NBA and had a long career with the New York Knicks. I mean, how cool is that? Like a guy who could be a successful Heisman-level quarterback in college football and then have a long NBA career. All football players believe that they could play basketball, not the linemen, but like, you know, the, all the skill <laughs> positions. This man could really play basketball. Yeah. So he was so cool. He was a great quarterback for them. I, I wanted to like follow his NFL career and I used to create him on video games in the NFL. I'd make like Charlie Ward in my quarterback. <laughs> so I, a big, big, big fan of his. There was a run of guys who did become great NFL players, Eddie George. And then two years later, Charles Woodson, Ricky Williams. And then the other guy who I enjoyed the absolute hell out of, but didn't have a great NFL career. And that was Ron Dane. Ron Dane was the, just this mammoth human being who ran over people and was so fun to watch. Like no man at his size should ever be that athletic and that quick. And the way that he just like ran over people was great. Just never really became a good NFL player. Had like a decent year with the Giants, a decent year with the Texans, but in, in no way, shape or form, like a star player. Um, aside from that, you know, there, I'm sure there's some Tim Tebow fans out there and some Johnny Manziel fans out there. Maybe Manziel would be one that you could have enjoyed, but you know, recently they've been pretty good. I mean, okay. Baker hasn't been a star, but you know, Lamar, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, like these guys have been high draft picks in the NFL. Once upon a time, it wasn't really that way that they were all high draft picks. Sometimes it was guys like Eric Crouch or Troy Smith that the yeah. NFL didn't take seriously at all. So uh, Jason White, once upon a time, <laughs> I don't even remember Jason White at all. No, so. He was another guy who hung around college football for a long time, probably because he knew he couldn't cut it at the NFL, but he also got injured a couple times. So he got the medical red shirt as well on top of the, the regular red shirt. The other guy was Desmond Howard, who if you watched him play at Michigan, you would have thought that he was going to be the greatest NFL player ever and did return a punt for touchdown in the Super Bowl. So he had a decent career, but was never like this superstar receiver. 
Uh, so a good list, and I'll be interested to see who wins the Heisman. And, um, well, Stetson Bennett, you know, he's going to have to put his five kids to bed first before the <laughs> Heisman. It's gonna, you know, he'll it's, – it's on late. So in the East, that's usually when he's, you know, around the fire with his pipe. He'll whatever. be the only one legally able to drink and celebrate the award. Is he? I, I know that uh, – I mean, Bryce Young is pretty young too, um, so I don't know. But, yeah, that is that is insane that someone who's <laughs> 25 is in the Heisman running. Anyway, uh, Jonathan, thank you for your time as always. Mm-hmm. Thanks for everybody who watched this on YouTube. If you're listening on the uh, podcast feed, we, we usually do this live on YouTube at 9 o'clock or so on uh, Tuesday. Next week might be a little wonky. We'll see how that works out. Uh, I'm going to be visiting some family and some things going on, but I think I think we'll still be able to pull it off. So anyway, well, uh, great stuff, Jonathan, and thank you all for watching, and we will talk to you later.